Hello and welcome back to finally another episode of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm joined today by Chris, Andy. Dan, motherfucker oh, already. As you can see, we are still <laughs> shit at the alphabet. Um, so I am joined today by Chris, Dan, and Danny, um, which you know. Is what you probably expected when they were a, a returning podcast, and uh, one member of the podcast team said he would definitely be here, but he's not. So, uh, Tim, we hope you're enjoying the World Cup game between Wales and the USA, which we're recording for at the moment. Somehow the American has shown up, and you haven't. Let's go, guys. I'm here. I'm representing. Good to see a 1-0 lead right now. Live updates, are we on the, the football wire? Okay. okay. I, I thought we were here for Formula One. But let's, let, let's, let's go. We are. We are. I just happen to have it on. But, um, yeah, so, guys, we're trialing out a new uh, recording procedure through Skype. So if, the, if this does go well, there'll be a video released of it. If it goes absolutely terrible, there will be nothing. That'll probably mean there'll be nothing. Well, then, let me fix my hair. It's going to be on video. I think the important thing is that we're back. Um, we've all had very busy lives. It's gone crazy. Starting new jobs. Um keep getting covid there's been a lot of covid going around the team but we're uh we're all fighting fit as Reese says he's got covid not covid but you know if you wonder why my voice sounds different i've not grown a sexy voice over the uh the four months or whatever it's been since we last recorded um yeah i'm ill is covid even a thing anymore like i thought covid was just i i, I thought we just did covid and now we've all just moved on with it, and now it's practically just a cold, no? Well, am I wrong? Yes, but I want to hear Reese saying us a versus smelly cat. Smelly cats, smelly cats, what are they feeding you? Smelly cats, smelly cat, it's not your fault. Not that sexy. Yeah, no, it's not. My, my singing's never been sexy, as you can probably remember from when I was earlier podcasts where i think i sung along to wilson phillips which yeah wasn't the worst thing on that podcast was it chris but either way i don't remember it it must scarred my head so bad that i just it's gone yeah i think i mentally and emotionally blocked it out to be fair that's probably for the best um our singing is not what people listen in for now people listening for our informative views on the formula one races that have happened so let's get on with that, shall we? Our informative views and whatever Dan comes out with. Abuse, just abuse. That's what we're all we're, that's all we're given in the podcast today. You get abuse, you get abuse. Everybody gets abuse. It's fine. Can we just throw some abuse to Sheep Shaggers away? Um, seeing as he can't be ours being here today because some blokes are running around on a grass field. Yeah, when we say Sheep Shag, we're not referring to Tim being Welsh. He's not Welsh. He's part Irish. Um. But either way, he's not Welsh. We say that because he runs around fields of sheep. I reckon the over-explaining of it just made it worse, to be fair. Um, Tim, uh, you suck. Can we just have a moment's silence for the sheep? Nah, I, good. I, I, nah I, can't, I, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we do some F1-related stuff? Yeah, yeah. let's talk F1. Um, because what I we'll say is it's been a while since we've done a podcast and um like i say it's not because we've been salty because the only person winning is the driver we all can't stand 
it's because we've just had busy lives. Um, but uh, no, way, I'm going to cut in there and speak the truth. It's because you broke your computer. Yeah, that didn't help things. Um, my computer broke midway through editing the last podcast we did. Um, it died a, um, a quite messy death, if I'm being honest. Um, there's nothing quite like the blue screen of death to uh, set your heart racing. And uh, nothing like a expensive holding your bank account, which you don't want to commit to, that really holds back podcasts. So I hold my hands up and say sorry for that one. We're going to start a GoFundMe page for you so we can get you a new laptop. But brilliant. So far, uh, a contribution of £2 towards my new laptop. <laughs> no, I, no, no. Reese is, is, is not poor. Reese doesn't get a GoFundMe. Okay. Just no to your GoFundMe. Anyway, let's just go and talk about F1. Wait, hold on. Before we do that, I just want to take a moment to say how I'm choosing my words very carefully as I'm the person that has to edit this. There's been no swearing so far. I just want to, we're like six minutes in, I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, and uh, to that, Dan, I want to say fuck you. You've got to deal with it anyway. (laughs) Fuck you very fucking much, you motherfucker. (laughs) Wait, 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 listen, right? Who the fucking hell are you, you no good, greasy-haired... I was going to say the the full hammer. You're nearly as bad... You're nearly as bad as Checo fans, boys. Calm down, calm down. Ooh. Fuck your fucking mom, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, we're, I guess I guess what we talk about, um, before we get review sort of what we've missed and what we've taken from this season and what we're looking forward to next season, um, the abuse Max Verstappen's got, when Lewis was winning all the time and when Seb was winning all the time or when Michael was winning all the time, I never really saw this level of abuse that Verstappen's been getting. And I know he's not popular amongst certain fan bases because of his actions on the track or or off the track, but it's a bit over the top now saying, fuck your mum, leave his mum out of this. Just say fuck you. To be fair, it's his mum has come out, hasn't she? Um, claiming about Checo's wife or Checo having a fling that we all knew about anyway. But why did she have to choose and how to come back out with it? And I think that's what riled up the fans this weekend. Uh, I still think at that point um, it's, a, it's a bit over the top. I know she got involved in it, um, but it's still, it's still a little over the top. The abuse that he's getting, it has to be. I think it has to be more brought more to the spotlight, so much like last year and a couple of years before uh, as well that Lewis was receiving. Um, but this is a little over the top. Yeah, as sports fans, we support uh, our driver. Um, they're paid a lot of money. They're paid to take the abuse, and the family isn't paid for that. Um, so I don't agree that the families should be brought into this. Um, abuse your driver, boo your driver. You know, we all pay our ticket money to do it, but going too far. There's no place for abusing any driver, to be honest. Be there and celebrate what's good. If you don't like the result, just be an adult about it. 
you don't need to be sending abuse to a driver online, seeking a driver out, going to abuse them. If you want to boo someone because what something they've done in the immediate aftermath, I get that. Say after Brazil, if the team or like the team radios played before Max Verstappen gets interviewed with him saying, Well, I'm not gonna let Checo pass me for whatever reason, and there are fans around him, I understand they're booing him. But there are certain times where there's just just no need for it. I mean, oh, he won. Okay. He won. He beat the other drivers who were racing that day. You can't hate the guy for having the best machinery and utilising it, which is a lot more than Ferrari did with their early season dominance. Okay, as the only person here that's actually spent any money to go and see a race this year, we, we booed Verstappen at the start of the weekend, and I think at the start of the race, because of a competitive thing. At the end of the race, he was applauded, just like every other driver was. You know, it's 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 part of the fun of sport. You know, we all enjoy the atmosphere and animosity. It it just sort of sparkles amongst the atmosphere, and nothing is ever meant to be vindictive. It's just fun and expressing your dislike, dislike of another driver is your God-given will. And like lots of Americans bled the death to, to express that. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's bad is these guys, these drivers are sometimes out on an island when it comes to defending themselves to these um, abuses online on social media that they see. Um, I'm not the biggest Max fan. I, I can't stand the way he drives and the way he, uh, especially last year, how he, I felt like he uh, stretched the rules. Um, but when you get to, like, the chinga tu madre, fuck your mom chant, these, uh, these characters were, were saying out there, added Formula One event, millions of fans. I'm like, it shouldn't be accepted by Formula One, especially after they have received, um, released statements in the past about online abuses. And it's kind of, I feel like they're being a little too silent about this. Um, it'd be interesting, interesting to see what Red Bull PR team do with this as well, because they're both teammates. I feel like they haven't really done a, haven't done a good job of handling the situation between teammates, between Checo and Max on the track. And off the track, they can pretend that they're friends and everything, but on the track, the results show. And Max went to first place, sealed the championship, and didn't help his teammate receive the second place, which would have been fantastic for Red Bull as a result. And they didn't get it. So, you know, jokes on them. That's the problem, though, right? He's only got this, like, F your mum chant and stuff because she's injected herself into something that has nothing to do with her she's brought up a subject that everyone already knows and she's tried to tar his like professional uh character with this old news story um and i I totally agree with you danny he helped uh max win two world championships and we've all seen the um things on like f1 pages and stuff like that in groups where they just categorically put it in sequence of how many times he's helped him. 
Um, and he wants to not let him pass because he feels like he dropped it down a gear and span it in Monaco. Like, you know, at the end of the day, and they should have secured, like, prize money, better places, all that sort of stuff, instead of just throwing his toys at his pram and not letting him pass him. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, like I said before, targeting families is just beyond a joke. But Red Bull shot themselves in the foot by not just coming out and saying what the beef was. You know, get your children out the prams. Tell us what they've done wrong. Give them a slap around the ear and put them back on the track. So um, an interesting dynamic that you we see with a lot of um, drivers in the past is how they've abandoned kind of the parent system. The parents helped them get into Formula One. Michael Schumacher's father was very instrumental in in helping get into the into good race seats um, in his junior career. Um, Hamilton's father, we all know about what he did to get uh, what he did for Hamilton. Vettel's father as well, um, Norbert, uh, I believe is his name. Um, very very helpful in Vettel's career. You know he's st- you know, still around. An amazing tribute. We we need to talk about Vettel uh, a little bit as well later today. Um, but um, Jets you see a father like Joss Verstappen and the reputation that he's had as a former Formula One driver and just kind of be, being very hard around the edges, having several allegations come out from him. You know, I, I feel like that the structure needs to change for Max. Maybe remove some of that. Your parents get them out of the sideline. You know, get them away, as Hamilton did with his father. Just get them out the limelight. Focus on your team and on your racecraft and let them, you know, don't make them worry about your personal life. We'll get into the actual programming now of what we uh, we plan to talk about, which is the season and what we took away from it and looking forward to next season. So I'll come to you first, Dan. What is the main thing you've taken away from this season? My takeaway from this I'm season not, not is... not Chinese. <laughs> um... My takeaway for this season is that no matter how good you think you are, you need your teammate to win. And if you don't have your teammate on your side, you're not going to win. Chris? How do you follow up that? Um, uh, My takeaway from this season was no no matter what sort of driver that you've been in the past, Everything can end up being forgiven and you can end up walking out of the sport with your head held high and being loved by everyone. Danny? Uh, my take, you nailed the regulations, you'll, you'll be head above the rest. And uh, Red Bull nailed the regulations in the beginning of the year and they breezed by. Yes, Ferrari had a great machine in the beginning of the year as well. Um, but, uh, Ferrari, uh, need to improve their race strategies for the future. Um, cause they've definitely let a lot of wins slip through their fingers. Um, but Red Bull just had an amazing, um, strategy, race strategy team and paired with an excellent car and, um, uh, a great driver and they were just unbeatable. Despite Saturday qualifying not being the same, Ferrari had more pulls this season. It didn't matter. Come race day, we all knew who's going to win. Well, 
if I'm going to go with anything from there, I'd say I, I agree with Chris most on what he said. Um, I think Vettel over his last few years has completely redeemed himself, and I think a key a key like example of that from was from this weekend's press conferences, where he was there with Lewis and Fernando talking about and they were talking about the relationships of with the, each other and how Vettel looks back at Baku in 2017, how he knows what he did was wrong, but he doesn't regret it for the world because it's actually what made his friendship with Lewis Hamilton better. And I think that was shown by what happened off the track this weekend with Lewis arranging and paying for a farewell dinner with all the GDPA members to say goodbye to Seb. That would be the GPDA, but we'll not fault you for that. Danny, let's not think about the rebel car at the start of the season and um, the little cut that they had down their plank for a flexi floor. The car wasn't that amazing until they sorted that out. Yeah, but it still wasn't going to make that much. I believe it'll make that much of a difference to Ferrari's blunder and Mercedes' um, design blunder with their weird unipod design. Um, goodbye to the W13. Hopefully, Mercedes, the the rear Mercedes engineers stepped up because next year it needs to be a great car. Um, Red Bull Ferrari was a wash. That Red Bull just destroyed them. Red Bull own Ferrari at this point. Um, Mercedes is, and Red Bull, they both know how to have great, exciting championship seasons, and and we need to see Mercedes back up again. Yeah, the zero pods were a mistake. Um, there's, but there's, it there's no, pods? Zero, pod, zero pods? Zero pods. Zero yeah. pods were definitely a mistake. Um, I don't think they could get enough downforce onto the, on the car. Because of them, um, they needed to have the side pods on there to, to to open up the possibility of extra areas of downforce. There's, there's, we're looking at this like it's all about the downforce, but the whole reason they had that unipod design or or no pod design or zero pod design, whatever you want to call it, was because the Mercedes engine this year was without a shadow of a doubt the worst engine on the grid, and the best way to improve your top speed if you've got a poor engine is to reduce drag. And that's what that zero pod design was about. It was to reduce drag. And I think if it wasn't for that design, this season could have been far, far, far worse for Mercedes. It was said countless times throughout the season how the the Mercedes had to get rid of downforce. They were holding too much downforce. So they may have got rid of the side pods to clear downforce, but they were trailing huge, big parachute ship wings behind them. You know, they, they, they their speed was lost because they had too much downforce on the car. You only have to look at the uh, the straight line speed. I think it was in France where the bottom eight cars were all Mercedes powered in, in a qualifying or practice session or whatever it was in the, in the speed traps. It showed that that Mercedes power unit this season was poor. And Toto Wolff admitted that after after the race at the end of the season, he has come forward and said he knows where it's been bad. He knows where the engine's been bad. He knows where the car's been bad. It's it is one of those things that's definitely affected them. And I think this is the thing we look back at Mercedes dominance. The one thing they nailed from the outset in the hybrid era, in the turbo hybrid era, was the engine. 
I think you said it right a while ago when when you mentioned about the um, biofuel on how they were using more of a mix of biofuel than any other team in the grid. Yeah, the, the change in fuel formula this season has also had some effects on it. There's, there's no doubt about that. You don't lose that much engine pace, especially when you look at how when Ferrari had their illegal engine, the Mercedes jumped in and over that off-season developed an engine that was going to beat that, not knowing Ferrari would then be having to run with reduced power the next year as a punishment for having this oil burning. Yeah, but all the stuff that they've learned from their mistakes this year, you know, are we realistically thinking it's going to make any difference um, to next year's car versus um, Red Bull? Bearing in mind that they've overspent on their catering budget to to get to where they are, um, you know, do we think it's going to make a difference, like, realistically? Well, this is where I'm confident that there'll be less cost cap and dominance next season, because last year and this year would have been affected by last year's cost cap. What they've done this year, as long as they've not overspent this year, they will be absolutely fine. And they're going to be held up, because now we know that over this offseason, when this whole aero period which has just ended because the season's ended and there's going to be a shut down on production and everything like that um that holds up like where things are and it's all going to be with this reduced like this changed balance of who gets what air time or wind tunnel time and um like cad time it's all going to change because there's new, a new constructors championship order uh and red bull have got that greatly reduced because of a fine as well I th- the one thing i don't know is does that fine come away from the cost cap i'm not sure on that if there was any sort of punishment then it would be um i heard a story over the weekend there that mclaren have had their wind tunnel delayed by six months so where they were planning on being able to start using it over this winter it's now been pushed back to at best this coming summer with probably the 2024 car being the first to benefit from it but really the 2025 getting the full get the full beans from it once again we've got to knock back that to the cost cap the reason they're having to do that is obviously to save money and money that's spent on things like facilities wind tunnels and things like that will come from your cost cap. You're, you're shaking your head, Chris, but it is the case. The facilities and things like that, running your facilities and upgrading your facilities come from the cost cap, and it will have that effect. Running your facilities, paying for your staff, paying for your travel, paying for your food, paying for your cars, your car development, is all comes out of the budget. But as far as I'm aware, building on your facilities doesn't. Because it's not part of the general team weekend. And that's it's where the cost the cap... development, though. Not if it's a, uh, a semi-structure. This one needs to be delved into. Or I need to be having a word with the people at F1 Manager. Well, my F1 Manager doesn't come out of it. Maybe I've found a way around it. Maybe I've found a legal loophole. You put it in your catering budget. So the penalties that the Red Bull received were, you know, a 10% reduction in time, a $7 million fine, which um, Horner found, what he said, draconian, I think was the word that he used. 
Um, but um, according to F1's new rules, aerodynamic development rules that they developed, which um, if you were in first place in the championship, your your time is reduced already. So Red Bull will really only have 63% of their wind tunnel time. So they they've reduced a lot of their time. Almost it's almost half. That, that's that's a lot. That's a substantial amount um, compared to Mercedes have 80% of the testing and, and Ferrari have 75. Yeah, it's um it's going to be a massive impact on Red Bull. But they managed to negotiate themselves away from having a 25% aerodynamic, what is it, wind tunnel loss. Um, And when it comes to something being a punishment, you shouldn't be able to negotiate your way out. The FIA should be saying, this is your punishment. Take it and, and away you go and play. Because... They they got away with 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 murder, with that, and I don't care if the the fine was only, uh, or if they were only over by one point seven million or whatever it was. The fact is they were over, and they're one of the biggest teams in F one, and they should have known better. Um, I just want to say, Chris, if you can negotiate your way into a world championship, mate, I'm fi- I'm pretty sure you can negotiate your way uh down to a suitable fine for yourself. Yeah, respect, respect. Yeah, that's that's the whole way that Formula One works, really. And yeah, like, like you look at anything in Formula One, what isn't solved by money? There's a reason that a soulless track with no real fan base is the season finale every year these these days. It's because money talks. If Brazil had, you know, probably another spare 20 million to throw up saying we want to be the season finale, they'd probably get it. But there's there's money money talks in formula one and if you're someone who brings so much money into formula one through selling hats merchandise sponsorship you're gonna have some pulling power over what your actual punishment is and it's it's not right but it is the case yeah you're you're spot on there um you couldn't see a team like Haas being able to talk their way out of a punishment like red bull has just done um i just uh, i find the whole thing disgusting you don't see it happening in the likes of NASCAR. You know, a punishment is handed down, and that is it. That's the punishment. Well, you say that, but then there's also times in NASCAR when you go, wait, is that legal? Can he do that? And uh, we saw that in NASCAR this season with one of the most brilliant pieces of video game driving I've ever seen. That was the best thing that happened in NASCAR all season. Well, I know people sat there and looked at the rules and tried to find something, but it wasn't illegal. You know, there was no rule against it because nobody ever thought it would ever happen. And it was fantastic. And it was my moment of the season. And I'll watch it over and over and over and over and over again. And then a few more times. And that's where Formula One can learn from NASCAR. Just because someone does something that's out there and no one else has thought of, why does it get banned all the time? I mean, at the end of the day, you should learn something from the other teams. I mean, it's a copycat sport. Just because you can't copy something, I know it makes it more competitive to ban something that the front team's done rather than 
say, oh, yeah, everyone else, you've got to learn that. But we see it all the time and we see cheap copies as well. I mean, you look back at double diffusers and F ducts, there's always been someone copying something. That move in the NASCAR was one of the best moves of the season and isn't, isn't illegal. Everybody's looking at the books and saying, yes, this is illegal. This has got to be illegal. But it wasn't because nobody ever thought of it. Nobody ever thought anybody was going to go flat out around Martinsville. It doesn't happen. It was incredible. And if Formula One could pull off something like that, I would jump up and down, run naked around the room and, and jump into my clothes again. Even if I can't run, I would be hopping. I would use my third leg. To be fair to Formula One, we we have short memories. Uh 2020 Silverstone, Lewis finished the race over half the lap with um, with three wheels. Uh, it was a boring race, but those last five laps when everybody's tires started going off and then Lewis' tires went off at the end, Max was the only well, one of the only ones that went to the pit and changed tires. Chase Hamilton, and we heard that countdown on Bono's radio, 30, 25, 20, you know. And we saw Hamilton go around that club corner on three wheels and just freaking win it. Formula One has had those moments. 90, was it 98 Hungary, 97 Hungary, when uh, Damon Hill in no, the... Uh, no, 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 don't go He there. was leading no, the race. No, that was exciting. No. And in the last lap, it, car gave away and, and Jack, it chased him. Villeneuve chased him, you know? So... I have not forgotten Silverstone 2020. I know, Red Bull's genius idea to go in for tires. Oh, well, that backfired. Well, if you want to go to that race, um, I think signs when he was McLaren, his tire gave away. Valtteri's tire gave away as well. Um, I forget who who paid it all together. I know it was next to somebody else. Norris's tire went. Mm-hmm. Gasly was nowhere to be seen in that race. That was just a race where he should have taken advantage. Probably still been a Red Bull driver, but still ended up in like seventh or eighth in that race. Um, that was, was it? That was a boring race, but it, huh? It was a boring race, but that last lap was exciting. I say, was it Lando or was it Signs who had that? Um, blow? I thought it was Signs. It was Signs. I said Signs. Yeah, I thought I thought Chris said Lando, but I remember the heartbreak. So yeah, it was definitely definitely Signs. I remember the heartbreak. Man's talking like it's he's, but he's he's talking like it's some sort of love interest that's gone wrong. Dumped him. Hey, I don't understand why your broken heart is over Carlos and not Lando. Because as much as I like Lando and the British drivers, Carlos is my favourite driver, and also Lando didn't have a blowout, so it's hard to get upset over the guy who didn't have a blowout. Do you know what, right? Every time you say blowout, it keeps reminding me of uh, Mate Your Boy in Frozen. Ooh, big summer blowout. <laughs> that's literally, that's, that's all I can picture. Anyway, for us that hasn't seen that, um, while we're on the Silverstone. You, you haven't seen Frozen? I haven't seen Frozen, no, I haven't. Oh, I'm a grown up. A, it doesn't matter, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's brilliant. You all enjoy Frozen 2 when it comes out. Then I'll go and see John Wick. I've seen it already. Or Frozen 3, whatever the hell's. I don't what, care. What rock have you been under, Chris? Frozen 2. It's already out. Maybe we've been there, seen that. Right. Um, right anyway. Chris, right, okay, right. 
<laughs> anyway. Olaf's Talking of Silverstone. Shut up. Talking of Silverstone. Do you want to build a snowman? I still have some prizes. Let it go. Let it go. I forgot to tell you who the winner was. I will check. <laughs> yes, and tell you who it was. Uh, but my voice I is really hurting. So let's move on with the podcast. Ta da! What are your expectations for next season? I expect that Mercedes is going to be back up with uh, at least an on par car at the start of the season. Um, I expect Ferrari and Red Bull are still going to be there. Um, Ferrari haven't fired their um, pit call decider person and um, got someone from, I don't know, a decent pit call decider person team. Um, It's going to be a three-legged race. But not like he's one you see in a primary school where everybody falls down. What did you call them? Pit wall deciders. I'm pretty sure they're called strategists, aren't they? Not, not is, is it pit, <laughs> right, pit no. decider people. I'm pretty sure at Ferrari they're called clowns, aren't they? <laughs> um, but no. My expectation for next year is that Max uh, doesn't sign his contract again and he leaves like he promised. Or hinted that he would. At the age of 31. And 2028. Oh, it looks like I've pre-cummed already. Sorry. Um, we'll have to wait a few years. Do you want to do Premature again, immaculation. Do you want to go do your thing again? No, realistic no. Expectation? No? Wow. No, okay. no that, that, that is still a real, realistic expectation from me. <coughs> uh, I really want him out of the sport. I think he's toxic and I hate him, but... He's old, he's entitled to have premature immaculation. Danny. My expectations for next year is um, Mercedes will have a new car, but it's still not going to be good enough. Um, I think Red Bull are going to run away with it again next year. Um, They don't seem to be stopped. They're a little bit of a juggernaut right now. Um, I don't think it'll be short-lived, and I don't think think it'll be uh, as dominant as it was this year. I think next year will be a mixed bag of, of um, we'll see another year of signs um, and Leclerc both maturing in that team. And how are they going to get through the mistakes that Ferrari always do? You know, then we have Max and, and Checo, the dynamic with signing Ricardo as the third driver, who is going to be waiting there in the shadows every race. If Perez doesn't fall in line with the Red Bull strategy, you know, that's going to be talk all that's going to be the talk of the year. Um, if Hulkenberg can get a race seat after being away from Formula One for a couple of years, then Ricard will definitely be in a race seat in a couple of years. Maybe next year, or maybe the year after with Red Bull. Um, wait, hold on. But yeah. oh, so wait, wait, wait. Um, on Ricardo moving to uh, Red Bull as the reserve driver, right? Mm-hmm. Now he has uh, like a job at uh, Red Bull. Does that mm-hmm. mean he still gets his cash settlement payout from McLaren, where they? paid him or because he's not in a formula one driving seat as it were does he still get paid well the contract was for him to drive from mclaren for this year so he's not going to do that so mclaren paid that off essentially and 
they gave him that boatload of money to fuck off, and he's gonna do it. And hey, he's gonna be in the top team next year, the third driver. And like I said, any if Checo's out of line in any race, that's it. We'll see Ricardo up there announced the 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 minute after. Um, so Ricardo's in a good position. Yeah, he's not racing this year. That sucks for him. Uh, sucks for his fans. My wife is a huge Ricardo fan, but uh, she also understands like, hey, he's in a really good spot. Just point out that at the time of recording, Ricardo still has not been confirmed as Red Bull's third driver, no matter what helmet Marco has to say. And um, Hulkenberg is Relax still crap. Yourself. Did you say Hulkenberg um, is still crap? Hulkenberg is still crap. He was crap. He always has been crap. The guy is shit and he's old and he's past it and he never had it. Who's and this? yet comes in without missing a breath every time he's asked to step into a Formula One car. I, I think that Hulkenberg at Haas is going to work very well. And I think him and Magnussen, despite previously being told to suck his balls, is, um, sorry, suck his balls, honey, is going to be a great pairing. I think it's going to be one of those stronger pairings on the grid just because of the experience. The guy is second only to Martin Brundle on Formula One cars driven. Can, can I add the value of uh, Hulkenberg to Haas? and how important it is for Haas to have those kind of drivers. I think they suffered really... They, they had a rough time with Mazepin and, and Schumacher the first year. To have two rookies was a, a disaster of a season. They lost a ton of money. Um, this year came as well, and they brought back Magnussen. And um, I feel they benefit more of having two veteran drivers instead of having two y- young drivers there. Um, Schumacher experiment has ended. He didn't make it. Sucks. But... Um, Haas really will really flourish with Hulkenberg there. I think we can see them as high as seventh in the standings, maybe even possibly sixth. And if the designer of the car is great, hey, they can be in the running up there with McLaren and and, and Aston Martin and Alpine. But competition is going to be hard next year, and uh, they they definitely need all the experience they can get for next year. I think Haas have made a mistake. I think they have shit all over. Mick Schumacher, um, who turned out not to be a bad driver second half of the season. Um, and hopefully we'll get the Mercedes third third driver contract. Fingers crossed. But Haas have struggled in the past to have two equal rated drivers and have failed to keep them in line. So what makes you think that this year is going to be different? Talk about Haas and how they're going to deal with Hulkenberg and Magnussen. At the end of the day, they're professional drivers. They're older of age. Yeah, they. I know their they're famous uh, histories they have between them, but they're but drivers. Ja- they're, and they're, Haas, they're there to work. They're not there to play. Haas's last two drivers before, they, before Mick and Magnussen were professional drivers grown-up drivers who were paid to drive and they couldn't stay away from each other so what makes you think these two can yeah but they raced cleanly on the track they 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 hardly they they raced they did race you know wheel to wheel on track i'm not saying that they weren't you know dirty to each other yeah there were some rough spots but at the end they they both provided mature driving for the for their for haas i know grosjean has full of many blunders He's full of many, many blunders, but um, they both did decent jobs for Haas. Saved them money compared to what Mazepin and Schumacher and the disaster of the 2021 season with them. 
In my opinion, the weakest member of the Haas team is Gunther Steiner. You sure it's not the, one of the uh, Jackman <laughs> or the guys in the pit crew? Okay, so while Reese dies uh, of a cold, um, we're going to carry on. Wait, so we've done, obviously, what we are hoping for for next season. And we should bring it back individually to how we feel about uh, Vettel's last season, his races, uh, and how we feel about him leaving the sport. So we'll start with Chris. Thanks for that. Well, I, I don't think I'm ready to talk about it just yet. Um, are you getting, are you getting uh, a little choked uh, up there, Chris? A little uh, bit emotional. Uh, I am. Um, hold on. It's just... I can do it. I can do it. Um, I will hold my hands up and admit that I could not stand Sebastian Vettel and his fucking finger. I hated it. I hated it. And his fucking stupid little frog thing. And Max did not. Uh, the Max. Sebastian did not turn in to Sebastian until he left Ferrari. Once he walked out the door at Maranello, he changed his whole attitude and demeanour and the way he dealt with people. Everything changed. Um, And Black Lives Matter was a big turning point for Sebastian as well. And that was, you know, over the last two years, you can see the progression of Sebastian Vettel from... Just being a racing driver to being a racing driver and a human to walking away on the weekend there as a human. And I will miss Aston Martins, Sebastian Vettel greatly. I won't miss Ferrari or Red Bulls. Kind of legacy with with Vettel in the beginning years was, you know, he was a child ahead of his years. He, he started, I think he was 17 when he... um was with Sauber, and he just a couple free practice runs. Um, he was in Formula 3 earlier than... He was in Formula 3 with, with Lewis before Lewis went to uh, Formula 2, so, like, their careers were very close, but, you know, Sebastian was the younger kid and kind of a prodigy, as well as Lewis. But to see him, yeah, join a team like Red Bull and them able to harbor him and develop him into a champion... Yeah, he was insufferable, but those were those were really good years, good memories for for him, um, for championships that were um, deserved. Yes, Red Bull, that whole team is just a, a great team for to have a young driver flourishing, and um, you know he developed a uh, reputation as as a, an annoying winner, um, and then we saw him in Ferrari. Finally, see, get to see him struggle, and you see his real. His real persona come through, and his incident in Baku was a, a turning point, and he even mentioned it in his press conference. Um, and of course, in 2020, still driving for Ferrari when when Lewis started this Black Lives Matter movement, and and um, Sebastian was one of the first drivers to to kneel with Lewis and to join Lewis in in spreading the message, and um, and then he took his ho- his own views on homosexuality and protecting. Gay, gay rights in in these, these uh, countries all around where they, they race in Hungary, for example, where where Vettel came out with his uh, his own you know renditions of um, 
of pride. So it was great to see him as an ally and to see that he has carved his own um, path and he's become a great person and somebody that is respected. We all saw that all 20 drivers did attend his um, his the dinner that Lewis did assemble and paid for. Um, and, it, you know, great. They, they talk about how great it was, you know, what a great moment was had for Vettel. So he does mean a lot. Um, I'm not going to talk about his driving record, but as a person, yeah, it's great to see somebody who, who has changed, who has also expanded his views to environmental rights and whatever. And he's just a, a great guy, a, a man of many hats right now. For me, Vettel, Chris said about Aston Martin Vettel, he was always in there when you think about it, because I mean, he had his jokey moments off the back with Lewis. Oh, you got to watch out for the seagulls. And he was relaxed then at Ferrari at points. Um, and then, of course, you look back at when he won his final title, Red Bull. He said, remember, these days won't last forever. He was always in this, like this Seb that we've known to love. Um, and of course, when he came out of that competitive car, we saw, I mean, even when he was at Ferrari, I think when he got the podium at Turkey, everyone was ecstatic for him because we realised how much we actually loved Sebastian Vettel. And when he did leave and he left Ferrari, he he showed he was a miracle worker too. And Chris and Dan, I can't wait till you leave Ferrari too and you grow your hair back. It's just... They're both looking like they're laughing but want to kill me. Um, <laughs> I love Ferrari. I really wish I could. I, I, I do. I, I, I really miss my hair. Just putting it out there. Quick. I know where you live. <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear. But even what, yeah, I mean, for me, Seb was, I mean, it was when he did put these moments together on track that I look back and I think, oh, I hated it when Seb was always winning. But when you look at times when he did something like when he went out in a qualifying session, when he had problems with the car and set one lap at the end of each session and put it on pole, it showed you how great Sebastian Vettel was because you could be in any car. If you get one lap each session of qualifying and you go out and the fastest in every session, that's not just the car. That's the man too. And it's those moments as a great driver as well. I think we also, we forget about Sebastian and how special he was at Formula One. And he was an absolute gift to the sport. That is exactly it. I think, and I, I think I said it before on a previous podcast and I say it again, as soon as he's stepped away from that toxicity of Red Bull, and I, and I think that's like, you know, they want that man, they want that mentality, they want that drive, they want that passion, they want that kind of arrogance, which is why they like Max um, to play up to the cameras for their brand and stuff. And then once he steps out of that, you do you find out like who the real Seb is and like all that kind of stuff. But for me. He's like, you know, he is a four-time world champion. You can't get away from that. You know, absolutely lo- loved him, watching him racing when he was younger. Um, but I'm glad that he was able to finish out his career in a team that is not as toxic as Red Bull. And he was able to finish out with a decent, loving, caring team that I think um, brought out the best of Sebastian Vettel that we've seen and as Danny said, thanks to Sebastian, there are two more seagulls alive in the the world to shit all over our cars. I mean, you've got to watch out for seagulls, Chris. What what do you expect? 
Which they were sitting there on the apex. Wait, I've got it. I've got it right. Just, just maybe, maybe the seagulls are why Max drives like a cunt. Is that maybe that could be it? He's just constantly no, avoiding just, seagulls. There you I go. Yeah, a young Max like is there. Cunt. A young Max is there. He's at a Grand Prix weekend. He's in the Toro Rosso. It's not that competitive. Oh no, I think no. Sorry, by that point he was in a Red Bull. But you know what? It still wasn't. That, it, it wasn't that competitive. Still. He goes out. He's not in the uh, podium celebrations. He goes. He gets some chips. He's attacked by two seagulls, and that's why we should all love Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> love that. Love that. Uh, love that. Question: <laughs> Do you think that Max could follow Sebastian and go to Ferrari, and then go to Aston Martin and actually turn into a likable person? Nah, that's gonna be a no from me, mate. I just think he's. I, I I just think he's toxic to his core and his dad, to be fair. Yeah, um, I mean, going back to my earlier point about Sebastian Vettel, you always saw the good come out of Seb when he was winning at Red Bull. There was still this good human being in there. Um, at Max, as horrible as it sounds, at Max, I don't see this this guy who goes and actually cares for his teammate or, or cares for the wider result of the team. It seems like it's a me, me, me thing. I've never heard him go, oh, let's work together and hunt down the Mercedes, unless it was for his own personal gain, like it was in France in 2021, where they worked together to hunt down the Mercedes. But he was only interested in doing that was for his own personal gain. He wanted to be world champion. And it's what makes Max so brilliant is that he's a ruthless competitor. But at the same time, he lacks this humility that other drivers have that that make them so well welcomed and, and popular max said something over the weekend max said how sebastian was waiting for him at silverstone to make sure he was all right at the end of the 2020 british grand prix after he fell into the Cops. 21. 21, yeah. 21, when he fell under the cops barrier. Shame that. Um, yeah, he mentioned how Sebastian was the only driver there to um to greet him, waiting for him at his motorhome. Um, which again says a lot about Sebastian, but was Max having a little sly dig at everybody else there? Well, this goes back to my point of Vettel's humility and Max's lack of it. Where was with Vettel showing such an example and of course it would have been known by Max after the race that Lewis did say is he okay at Silverstone the fact that Max didn't even look back to see if Lewis Hamilton was okay knowing for well his car was parked on top of his head just shows that they're different they're, they're, they're not the same breed of driver despite their both natural raw brilliance on track they're not the same pers- type of person. Bro, don't. Uh, uh, no, because that whole situation, uh, like, I just absolutely, that, no. I just have to say, and, and I hate to say it because it's defending fucking Max, but Lewis was trying to back the car out of the gravel trap while Max was walking past, so he didn't really need to look back and see if he was all right. And I hate saying that because when you hit Max... But yeah. still, a level of 
of, like he said, humility and care would be go a long way. We saw Gutierrez and Alonso's crash in Canada 2016. And it was a wreck for both cars. And, you know, one checked on each other. I understand rivalries. Yeah, when, I understand when, when rivalries drivers, that the rivalry that Max has with Lewis and, and the fans have as well. But you know, when one driver's I, still trying to reverse out of the out of the gravel trap while you're walking away, you're gonna know he's all right. You know, if I, he did get knocked I, in the I, head, I, foot was stuck Max, on the accelerator. Could happen. Max was Max was out of order. You know, the whole crash was was Max being Max, you know, sticking it in, doing a Schumacher or a Senna, putting it in somewhere where you had to avoid the accident. And it was 100% his fault. But Lewis tried once while Max was in the car to back out and then tried again when Max was out of the car. And I'm not, I don't want to defend Max. This is the last time I'm going to say it. Max didn't need to look back and say if Lewis was all right. Lewis showed he already was. Well, I'm just going to take build on that. One thing we saw, if we do talk briefly about the Abu Dhabi race, is where Carlos Sainz made a comment about, oh, Lewis did the same with Verstappen last year. Different. Of course, this year they had that sausage curb. Um, but one thing that Lewis had the awareness of, to do that Max didn't was not drive over the sausage curb in such a manner because this sausage curb is what flung him into that position and he gave back the he gave back the place to two sides but lewis could have hung it out on that curb and what he would have done was catapulted like verstappen like um nasani did this season at silverstone in f2 into whoever was there whoever was there and i think that's one thing that max still needs to improve is also this awareness um of where the other driver is and to know when not to put yourself in a position where there might be a crash because he did it that he did it at um brazil he put his car in a position with a late burst of throttle which said we're going to have a crash here if you don't avoid me and he was at fault and he cost himself really when you look at it yeah but he's only starting to cost himself now because people are realizing that's how he's driving and the only way that you can get through to max is if he's going to put himself into a situation where it's either you crash or you pull out, everyone's like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to leave it in there. If we're both going to crash, we're both going to crash. Like he, he, he bullied Lewis for literally a whole season of just making Lewis bitch out. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I think every single driver that comes up to a corner with Max needs to either leave it or crash into him because it's the only way that this kid's going to learn that that's not the way you drive. Shall we um, predict yes, our well, championship we, winner for next year? All I'm going to say right now is that at the start of the this season, we all predicted winners. Now we all got it wrong because no one said Verstappen. But what I want to do is just give a special shout out to Mr. Dan Heath, who predicted Sebastian Vettel as world champion and just say long way your, your ability of making terrible predictions continue and making the rest of us look good yeah but do you know what right my terrible decision making of predicting Sebastian Vettel as um world champion I've just been hired as a uh, Ferrari's chief strategist top job oh <laughs> <laughs> I fucked up I I chose a Ferrari and a Spaniard I chose so, Max. yeah yeah uh, 
Obviously, right. So we're not. Right, so we're not going to do our predictions for next 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 season. But I I think we need to give a shout out for Dross as well, our sponsor. He's been patiently waiting for us to bang out another podcast. Uh, (laughs) Our our apologies for life basically getting in the way and Reese's laptop dying the blue screen of death. We're back. Uh, We're going to fill a few more of these, and I'll let Reese um. Fill in the details of uh, where you can purchase our lovely sponsored track wall art. Danny, stop waving your stupid treason flag about. For the best 3D printed track wall art around, head to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S dot com. Until next time, thank you very much for listening. Cheerio, guys. Cheerio, guys. See you later, guys. Race fucking f-